Hey guys, it's with an extremely heavy heart that I start this podcast off with heartbreaking news. Our dear friend Steve Kirk over at San Diego Sabres Radio Podcast passed away early last week. He is without an absolute doubt one of the kindest, most sincere, most selfless and generous people that myself and the boys here in the room have met on this wild journey of ours. The outpouring of incredible messages on Steve's and the San Diego Sabres social media proves how far-reaching his impact was, how important he was to so many different people. We were all very much better people for having known Steve. And myself, the boys here, our families, we send our absolute deepest condolences to Steve's family, his friends, and the San Diego Sabres. He is now with us in the force. He's made a lasting impact on all of our lives. And I can't thank you enough for being part of mine. You are going to be missed every single week when we pull up to the mic, Steve. But we will ensure your memory and your legacy lives on both within us, within Star Wars fandom, and within the Commonwealth. So rest in peace, my friend. You are listening to a Nerd Room Podcast, a member of the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network. Be sure to check out more from the Star Wars Commonwealth on the web at StarWarsCommonwealth.com and take your first steps into a larger world. Hey everyone and welcome to Room. We talk all things Star Wars, Marvel, and DC. This episode number 181, we're all discussing the Avengers Endgame Blu-ray content. I am your one and only host for this week. I am Tim and we've got a lot to talk about in this episode, primarily focusing in on Avengers Endgame. We've got the Steel Book out, we've got all the Blu-ray content, we've got all the bonus content, the featurettes, everything, and I'm going to walk through each and every one of these, discussing them as we go here. But you all heard my message at the top of this episode and given the circumstances we didn't even know if we should release an episode this week we didn't know how to approach discussing steve our dear friend that passed away early last week and personally i found it difficult to get at the mic i've literally left recording this solo podcast at the last minute because i did not know if i could actually discuss in a positive light nerddom given where we're sitting here but i did find comfort upon reflection that steve of all people would want a nerd room episode to hit that feed like we do every single thursday and for us to talk about or for me to talk about the things that we love so what is this week going to look like guys now we have the release of avengers endgame on blu-ray and steelbook and this marks a very important milestone in the mcu we can now fully consume the infinity saga from the comfort of our homes whenever we want. Now, my dude, Sanjay, Sunny Steelbook, the man of Steelbooks, he hooked us up this week with an early copy, early release of Avengers Endgame, the Steelbook version, beautiful looking, and he sent me over. I'm on vacation. That's why I'm going solo this week. We're a bit dislocated. We've got kind of this crazy thing going on, but I decided, I said, look, 
guys, you take care next week. I'll take care this week. I'll go solo. I'll just run through this Avengers Endgame stuff because you guys know how much I absolutely love this. But I want to talk about these bonus features. But anyways, the Steelbook Armageddon, it came, it went. You'll hear more about that in the coming weeks here because we just got a ton of MCU Steelbooks. But we're not talking about those. We are talking about Avengers Endgame. You know, Solo ones, solo shots, these are difficult sometimes, but because it's a topic I love, it's something that we're going to just have a ton of fun talking about here because there's a ton of bonus features here. And there's also an AMA from the Russo brothers that are going to weave into this because it talks about some of the, the key concepts and ideas and big question marks from the film. If you go back all the way to our review that we had walking out of the theater. Now I've had a chance to rewatch Endgame here on the Steelbook from the digital code. It's beautiful. This movie is something else it's absolutely fantastic everything every positive thing i've ever said about this film holds up to date and i just love the fact that i'm going to be able to have this thing on my phone the computer wherever i can take this movie on any trip i can watch it on a beach i can watch it in the comfort of my own home avengers endgame it's going to be on a pure loop in my house i love this movie 3000 without a doubt so guys let's get into it. let's jump into it. it's gonna be a relatively short episode because i am going solo and we only got one real topic here we're gonna get back to the regular scheduled programming in the not too distant future and the next few weeks are a bit funny because i'm away and then i'm away the following week on a business trip down in the states hopefully doing a little bit of hunt but the boys will take you through next week i may try to jump in and join them but we couldn't leave you guys without something to feed and, and to honor Steve and, and his legacy and what he really brought to the podcasting game. I've got to get into this. I've got to get into Avengers Endgame here. So if you guys have not bought the Blu-ray, not bought the Steelbook, whatever, however you consume this, whether it's digitally or not, it's already a recommend from me. You know, there's a few things that I will talk about that I feel are lacking a little bit for something as big uh, as this film itself, but there is a ton of bonus features here, and that's what we're really going to walk through for the majority of this episode, and like I said, including that AMA. So let, let's kick it off. Let's get off. Just let, I'm going to give a high-level review of the film upon my third watching and what's inevitably by the time this even this episode drops probably my fifth watching as i go upstairs to bed and just pop this on in the background every every moment guys in this film holds up on this release i've got goosebumps i've got chills i i just love every piece of this even the stuff if you go back to our review that i did maybe poke at a little bit that being professor hulk and really the large thor fat thor however you want to call it is it politically correct to say fat thor i don't know but i appreciate what was done these blu-ray features shed a little bit of light especially on the thor character and having talked through this and walked through it a few times this all absolutely works for me and i gotta say favorite movies when again spoilers for avengers endgame i hope i don't have to say that to anyone anymore but it's gonna be full spoiler here favorite moments has got to be cat picking up Mjolnir and avengers assemble that whole sequence there where he's standing one man army against thanos and in his whole cannon fodder army the black order everything it's 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 just a beautiful beautiful moment and then on your left that there, I like you guys know I've been watching this on YouTube on just cam versions because I can't get enough of this. Marvel finally released the sequence not too long ago digitally, and now I have it in my hands. I can watch this thing on repeat. It's it's just a beautiful, beautiful film, guys. What a way to cap off the Infinity Saga. 
But what did Marvel Studios include for us here? They have generally given us a lot of really good content. And if you go back way back when, when we got the Infinity War release, which it would have been probably around this time last year, I really hailed a lot of the content that they put on, that the behind the scenes of making of, but in particular, this director's roundtable that was on the Infinity War release. It had all the directors, all the major directors, anyone who had helmed at least war, more than one film in the MCU or had at least been tapped to helm multiple films in the MCU. They sat around and discussed constructing this universe, the characters themselves, how they weaved everything in. It was it was really well done, expert, expertly executed there. And that's the thing that I will say at the top here, that this Blu-ray release is missing. It's something unique like that. A, 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 something where they're discussing the entire Infinity Saga. Yes, I know we got this already, but this whole thing, a lot of it is a reflection on what they did in the MCU and less about the execution of Avengers Endgame. I don't feel I'm any more knowledgeable on how really the Russos consumed the content that they were putting to screen, how they developed it. I'm not I'm not really that much more knowledgeable after watching all these bonus features than I was walking into it. Yes, it's nice to have some of the stuff refreshed and nice to have some of this content in front of me, the way that they present it. It's, it's beautifully done, don't get me wrong. But that's the thing I'm lacking a little bit is new, different content. But like, like, let's get into it. The first one here, bonus feature, remembering Stan Lee. Stan the man passed away not too long ago here. We're all missing him. And this was actually his last cameo in an MCU in a Marvel film. And I think this is appropriate that he didn't have a cameo in Spider-Man Far From Home because it feels fitting to me at least that Stan Lee has his final cameo in Avengers Endgame, the end of Infinity Saga, the end of this massive story. And they walk through in this featurette a lot of Stanley's cameos and his whole idea about being part of this kind of cameo role where he's showing up in every MCU film, the love for the one-liners, him getting into wardrobe, him just being all over the place from everywhere from Iron Man all the way through to Avengers Endgame. It's, it's an incredible feat and a nice, just nice way to honor the man that brought and made a lot of this happen. It was really great watching him early days on the set of Iron Man, interacting with John Favreau, Robert Downey Jr., even if it's just for, you know, such a minimal amount of time on screen, he is able just to bring that levity, that that Stanley smile that just brightens up the screen. And this is a great little tribute. We saw at the start of Captain Marvel, we had the Marvel logo tribute to him, and this just expands on that, that whole idea of him just being a bigger part, almost transcending the MCU, if you will. You know, of a, of a universe built on continuity, and this guy is playing roles across all 23 films. Now, I know in Guardians of the Galaxy, they make reference to him being the Watcher, which was a, a favorite fan theory of all of ours, and they seemingly have confirmed that. But it's just a nice way to honor Stan the Man Lee, the guy that, that made all of these characters become such a bigger part of my life, of the boys' lives, of everyone that's consumed you know, the biggest film of all time. Now, stepping through into the second part of this, or the second featurette here we have, it's setting the tone, casting Robert Downey Jr. Now, this is going way back and pulling footage from Iron Man and just talking about the risk that they took on Robert Downey Jr., acknowledging that he wasn't, say, the household name that he is now. He wasn't the actor that was just as bankable 
as someone else at that time in 2006, 2007, 2008 when they're putting this film together. But they showed early screen tests and Robert Downey Jr. himself says he almost had like an out-of-body experience when he started spouting off some of the lines that we do hear directly in the film as they're filming it. But this is the screen test. They had to ask this guy, which would be crazy now, to come in and screen test for this role just because he just didn't have that dependability because it's very well publicly documented that he did have issues. But this was someone, and a John Favreau, I think, put it the right way, someone that was ready to break out in a big way. And here we are 11 years later, and he is probably the biggest movie star on the planet, one of the most recognizable heroes of all time in Tony Stark Iron Man. He took this character from someone that I don't think the common movie would know really at all and made Iron Man one of the if not the most popular superhero at least in marvel it's incredible what this actor has done with this character and this chronicles it just beautifully pulling a lot of old archive footage and that's one thing that a lot of these featureheads do is they pull a lot of archive footage and we do get to see some stuff from avengers endgame but maybe not as much as i would like that that's going to be my only nitpick here now, number three, a man at a time creating Captain America. This, of course, guys, you know me. This is my favorite part of the features. And it really goes through crafting and creating what they call the backbone of the MCU in Captain America from early days of casting Evans right through to Ryan Meandering. Now, I talked about him last week. And again, this is, is kind of just an eerie part of, of everything that's gone on in the last little bit. And you guys know when I talked last week, when I opened live on the podcast, the poster that Steve Kirk, he had sent me from San Diego Sabres. And it was just this weird connection. Like it's this beautiful poster signed by Ryan Meandering, who is the head of visuals over at Marvel Studios and he has been since the early days of Iron Man. Now, I didn't make this pure connection right away when I'm on the poster. I was just blown away by just the gesture from Steve sending me this beautiful artwork, knowing how much I love Captain America. Well, it really turns out that Ryan Meandering, and I should have probably known this, he was a, he's a major piece of the success of Marvel Studios and that he worked a lot in developing the whole visual aspect, the, the the tone that you do see on screen comes directly from him in a large part, especially with regards to Captain America. And he actually sits down and does an interview in Endgame here, which it was, it was completely just I, even beyond coincidence that I get this poster from Ryan Meandering signed by him, and then I'm watching him a week later on my favorite part of these bonus features with Captain America, him walking through crafting the look of Captain America. And then it shifts focus over to uh, Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely, who are the writers of Infinity War and Game, Endgame, but have also been the writers of Cap, exclusively writing Cap, with the exception of the few pit stops in the Avengers films that Joss Whedon wrote. But the two of them have written Captain America from the first Avenger on. So it's a very unique experience that they talk about with 10 years of constructing a character and being able to write and build a career around writing Captain America. And they did this big momentum shift for that character in Captain America, the Winter Soldier. And that character for me went from, you know, below Iron Man to being one of the main pillars and probably the most popular. Now, I have you a bit biased here, but probably the most popular character coming out of the back of Endgame. And so it's absolutely incredible to watch what they did with Captain America. They took a period piece, which I love. Joe Johnson did an amazing job on that first Avenger film. And 
taking him through right to modern day. People had to believe all this. They had to believe Skinny Steve. They had to sympathize with that character and had to understand that that was what was inside of this super soldier. And they've just done so good with it to the point where, yeah, Cap's always been my favorite, but it really started with the first Avenger for me. I remember watching it in July of 2011. We were on our way to a vacation to where we stay every single summer. My wife and I took a pit stop, went and saw that film. That was the first MCU film I saw. I was a bit behind the game. And then for me, that love of that character just really exploded from there. So it's great to see them rounding out with this nice little bonus feature, uh, Man at a Time cast creating Captain America. Now moving on to the next one here, Black Widow, whatever it takes. Again, focusing in on the female lead here in the Avengers and how important this character is. And we all know she's going to get her solo film, her dues, here in May of 2020. And I'm really looking forward to that. But this is, again, a nice look back at this character and the development all the way from Iron Man 2 and just watching her evolve and getting a lot more screen time as these pictures grow and getting kind of this nice fitting ending for the character. And, yeah, we're going to revisit a lot of things with her, and I'm very excited about that. But this, again, this was another fantastic look back but we're not a lot of forward-looking stuff it was a lot of focusing around infinity war going back to iron man 2 but definitely definitely worth a watch now up next here we have the russo brothers journey to endgame this really shows what it took for these two brother directors who started off in the mcu with the winter soldier delivered an absolute perfect film still ranked among one of my top and I think widely held as one of the best MCU films by MCU movie lovers by fans in general and by of course fans of Captain America and how they went on this journey to developing and directing back-to-back two of the biggest films of all time including Endgame the biggest film of all time if you guys haven't noticed I'm gonna keep banging on about that because I'm super stoked that Avatar has been dethroned by this film but it's great to watch these two these two master craftsmen work together to bring together some of the biggest films look they talk about getting or having Kevin Feige bring them into an office and say, look, you guys are doing great stuff on Civil War. We want you to direct Infinity War and Endgame. I guess at that point called Infinity War Part 1, Part 2. And they just said, F yeah, this is, yeah, we're in 100% to do this. And what a daunting task. You're being asked to, to craft two of the most important films in the MCU and with all these expectations from this massively growing fan base. And they had to have that Thanos payoff. They had to have the story payoff. What a task. What a, what a, it, it, it's, it's just something that on hindsight, it looks like the way they executed it, it looks like they just did it like that, like with a finger snap, if I can say that. And looking back at the start of it, holy, that must have been just this, this you, you, you have to execute this way. Looking back on it, it just it must have been such an incredible thing to do. But how overwhelming when you step back after saying, yes, we'll take the job. Could that have been? And this this one here, I, I love the Russo brothers and they talk through some of this stuff. Oof. Ah, yeah, I got to check this one out. One of my faves here. Uh, the next up is the woman of the MCU. So we all know that beautiful A-Force tease we got in the final battle here in Endgame. 
And this is just expanding on that day of shooting and then realizing that they had a, a really great moment in Infinity War when we had Scarlet Witch, Black Widow, and Okoye. And they had this this kind of this fight where they fought Proxima Midnight and they said they look back on that and want to do something bigger and they realize how many fantastic, powerful women characters they already had in the MCU. And it's going back to that day of shooting, them constructing this, and then doing this awesome picture of all of the female contributor, all the female contributors to the MCU. Again, beautifully done. It sets a nice tone for what we could see and what we're going to see, I think, in the MCU going forward. Now, if you notice the theme here, we get the majority of these bonus features are focused in around our main Avengers, and we can't leave off Thor. We've got bro Thor here, probably the most evolved character, I would say, in the MCU. He went from this Shakespearean type of character to something wildly different in Thor Ragnarok, and again, evolving into something completely different in Avengers Endgame. He has gone on probably one of the best emotional journeys within the MCU. And again, capping and capping it off here with Endgame and going forward into Thor 4. It's incredible to watch this character change and evolve and what Hemsworth is actually able to do with this character. Now, a lot of credit's got to go to him. You know, a lot goes to the writers, but a lot goes to Hemsworth being able to execute this and make it believable. Making this character go from what we remember we saw in the Thor 1, the painted eyebrows, the bleach blonde hair. Great movie. But where we're at with Thor now, absolutely incredible. And no other character goes on quite the personal and emotional journey and evolution that someone like Thor does. Nothing like that happens in the MCU, and this nicely chronicles that. Now, the eighth thing I'm going to talk about here on the bonus features is something that's exclusive to the digital release, but you do get it on if you have a digital copy of a physical copy, and that is Steve and Peggy, One Last Dance. Now, it's it's a just a very short, I believe, six minutes or so, and it goes through and documents a bit of really the, the connection between Steve and Peggy. And for me, this really hits home the idea that you know, we talked about different fan theories about him going back and actually spending the rest of his life with Black Widow, with Scarlet Witch there, or not Scarlet Witch, with Black Widow. But this really hits home the idea that, man, that guy went home, went back in time, had that last dance, and it was him and her forever and skewing off into a different timeline. They've made it very clear in here. I'm going to go into some of the AMA questions in a minute that that last dance was the start of their lives together. Or that first dance, I should say. Um, so yeah, another great focus in on Cap. Some repeated scenes from the Man at a Time creating Captain America feature. Uh, but nonetheless, anything from Cap, I'm going to consume. Now, one of the favorite things that we do get on this, and we always get in these bonus features, is deleted scenes. Now, we've talked a bit about some of them, and they have been featured in the past online and you can go to youtube if you don't have this and watch most of these i'm not going to spend too too much time on these there are six of them but there are a couple that i agree with them taking them out all these here they're good 
but I don't think they belong in the film. And I, I may take some flack for the one in particular um, that we will discuss that Marvel has already released. But number one is just a nice exchange between Tony and Pepper in the cabin. Doesn't add too much to their dynamic. We already feel that from everything we've gotten in the MCU in the past. So yeah, that's a great pass. That's a great cut. Number two is Rhodey and Cap. And that's an exchange when they're in the, I believe it was the five years later. And they're talking about the Tesseract. And Rhodey's asking, and these are brilliant lines, by the way, well delivered by Don Cheadle. He's asking why Cap had to crash the plane and why he didn't just jump out before he had to crash. And you get, you know, Steve Rogers giving these looks like, yeah, I know, maybe I should have. But the reason I like this being cut out is because to me, that undermines a bit of the first adventure. We all thought of that. We all did, you know, we've all processed that. And this is falling really closely to Captain America, the ability to have a period piece, pull him back in the time. He needs to to go down freezing. I like that they pulled this. It's a great, great line, like I said, from Rhodey. But like I said, I feel it undermines a little bit here. Uh, Captain America's arc, his story. And we're trying to cap this whole thing off, no pun intended. And I, I just don't think you need that line in the film. Uh, and another one I'm happy that they actually cut here too is it's it's a great scene. We have the Avengers and they're walking Rocket through or walking the group through them fighting the Chitari in Avengers 1. Now Rocket starts making fun of the team and saying how they're the um, like how they're the biggest joke of an army in the galaxy and they're the suckiest army in the galaxy. I think of the words he actually uses. And he tells them all he had to do is take out the mothership and he's kind of laughing at them. But again, to me, this undermines Avengers 1 and the whole fight, the whole assembling of the Avengers. I don't want that to be a throwaway line from Rocket saying like, why did you guys take so long? It's a huge emotional arc in there with with Iron Man and the whole team coming together. And I feel like this one line from Rocket just says like yeah that wasn't a that big of a deal these aren't that's not a big tough army you know we're, we're up against something bigger now of course but it just seemed to me that it was kind of throwing avengers one away so again i agree with the cut here uh, we've got a, another extended scene of rocket and thor and asgard and it's really thor falling apart here an extension of what was already there so again just another reiteration of the whole idea that Thor is really struggling emotionally, especially being back in the present or back in 2013 in Thor The Dark World. So yeah, sure, happy him cut it. There's also a quick cut scene here of Tony and Howard. Now, upon I uh, rewatch here, this scene isn't too dissimilar. It's not too much longer. And again, in or out doesn't really make a huge difference to me. And the last one here I'm going to talk about is probably the one that a lot of people wanted in the film. But the filmmakers really said that a lot of people really wanted in the film. And this is the Avengers kneeling after Tony's sacrifice. Now, this is led by Hawkeye. We see everyone kneeling and one by one here. And it's playing the same music as the funeral we get at the end of the film, Tony Stark's funeral. And we do see Gamora walking away. So that was one thing that I agree with where we didn't get any resolution or we didn't really know what happened to Gamora after everything. She just kind of disappeared. She's one of the few that aren't at the funeral. A few living, I would say, that aren't at the funeral, if any. But I, I agree with the, the directors here. And they, they said that they felt it was just replicating and taking even more of that emotional impact away from the funeral scene because same music same I guess overall feel to me 
And I like the funeral scene better than this kneeling scene. Um, I think kneeling in the middle of the battle, at the end of all this, the way that they ended it with the snap and then him saying goodbye to, to Peter, to Rhodey, to Pepper, like that to me is a beautiful way to end that. And then we skip forward um, eventually to his funeral, which to me feels like the right way to do this. I agree with this cut. It's a very emotional scene, kind of gives you goosebumps, but I, I think that it, it was the, the right move and it just felt like it would be more repetition. We've already got this. Again, it undermines the funeral scene. And so I'm, I'm glad they cut this there. So that, that's about it for the bonus features. Um, let me know what you guys think of, of all the bonus features here. Like I said at the top, there's a lot of really great stuff in here, but not too, too much on the whole making of. Now, I haven't had a chance to listen to the director's commentary just yet. Um, I'm not a huge director's commentary type guy. I don't sit and listen to a lot of them, um, but this is one that I will definitely take the time out, and maybe when I'm on my flight uh, next week, I'll take the time out to watch the director's cut of this just to get a feel, a bit more of a feel for the making of. That's what I'm lacking here and sort of a, a featurette, a, a 10, 20, 30-minute type thing. Uh, I always go back to, I believe it's The Last Jedi, um, it was called uh, the Jedi and the I can't remember in the director or something like that, and it's about an hour long documentary on the making of the Last Jedi, and I freaking love it. Star Wars is always good about chronicling the making of, and that's just something that I'm lacking here. But overall, guys, I think these bonus features are really well done. It, it's a nice wrap up. You know, we're talking End Game, the end of it all, the Infinity Saga. This takes some of our main characters, particularly the ones we're not going to see too, too much of going to the future, with really the exception of Thor. And it really kind of springboards some of the ideas that we want to see a bit more of, particularly around the women of the MCU. So yeah, get into these bonus features. They're really, really great, really well done. Um, if you're looking for a little more, check out the Infinity War director's roundtable it's a it's a ton of fun and it gives you some brilliant insight into what these guys are pulling together all right so the last thing i'm going to talk about here with regards to avengers endgame is the russo brothers ask us anything or ask me anything as part of their we love you 3000 tour now we spoke about this tour a few weeks ago and this is kicked off at san diego comic-con it's going to end at d23 on august 23rd through 25th where we're going to come and finish off this celebration of avengers endgame of the infinity saga of the fandom and they've been doing a lot of discussing of some of the questions that we as a fandom had about Avengers Endgame and I'm gonna just I'm not gonna talk about every single thing that I talked about this uh, ask us anything but just some of the key points that I thought were quite unique and answer some of the questions that we've had kind of burning for the last little bit since this film dropped and now we have had Christopher Marks and Steve McFeely give some of their opinions in recent history on these issues on these questions I guess not so much issues but I don't know it depends on what we're gonna take we all have different fan theories headcanon about this but this is the directors talking and this is generally supported by kevin feige who is the the mastermind behind a lot of this mcu so starting off here with the return of steve rogers we've always questioned did he go into a separate timeline how did it get back did he save a quantum suit and some pin particles to actually come back to that point in time to hand off the shield well it turns out that that 
is in fact the case. Again, coming from the Russo brothers, they stated that he would have worn a quantum suit and using the pen particles, he made the jump to this timeline, to this particular spot to hand off the shields to Falcon. Now he's not wearing the suit. This is again them talking because at that exact moment, that wasn't the exact moment that he returned. He set this all up. He knew what was going on. He had one last thing to return and it was that shield. So he hands that off. So he knew he was in a different timeline. And when he went down and decided to stay with Peggy, and it's interesting because you think about it, he literally had the power to shape the world. And that would be an incredibly interesting what if. Could he have let Vietnam happen? Could he have let 9-11 happen? Like all these major events that have shaped our world could Steve Rogers have let that happen knowing what he knows sitting back? You know, there's a really great line in civil war when he says, I see if I see a situation pointing south, I can't ignore it. Could cap have gone through 70, 80, 90 years, whatever it was and ignored all these major events in human history. Could he have let them go by? You know, there's a timeline out there where potentially Captain America and Peggy run around and make this a just a very different world. Now, Marcus McFeely had a very different spin on this, and they supported the idea of multiple caps in a single timeline, even so much so acknowledging a fan theory where Cap, Steve Rogers, was at Peggy's funeral, and that there's actually two caps in the MCU timeline proper. So it's different. And they also once stated that it was always their intention that he was the father of Peggy Carter's children. And so this is still up in the air a little bit. But with me, the Russos acknowledging this, my whole headcanon around this is that Cap went back. He met up with Peggy Carter. The timeline skews at this point. He lives his life with her in a different timeline, not the MCU proper timeline, and he jumps back over to the MCU proper timeline to hand off the shield. So that's it, guys. That's what the Russo brothers said. Now, Edwin Jarvis. So for those of you not familiar with the comic books, Edwin Jarvis, going back to the early days of Iron Man, was the butler of Iron Man. And... It's been retconned a little bit in the MCU because Jarvis, as we know it, is, or was, I should say, an AI that Tony Stark had designed that was effectively a butler. Now, when they're crafting Iron Man 1, they didn't want people to get confused with Alfred, who was Batman's butler, his right-hand man, if you will. And so they made it into an AI, which then eventually evolved into Vision, uh, with Paul Bettany taking on both the role of Jarvis and the vision so really nice continuity here but what they did a nice beautiful easter egg here they had edwin jarvis be the the driver whatever you want to call it for howard stark who we do see in avengers endgame and the actor that portrays him here james DeCarcy, he cameos here now this marked a very important thing is it marked the first time a tv character he was first introduced on the peggy carter tv show agent carter he was first introduced there, and he's the first TV character to make the jump to the big screen because we always see things going the other way, but never really an acknowledgement or any sort of reciprocation acknowledgement of the TV shows in film with the exception of Edwin Jarvis and this character actor. And asked why they did that, 
and they really said they loved the actor, but Marcus McFeely, the writers of Infinity War and Endgame, were very instrumental in engineering that show, pulling it together, and also the Russos directed one of those episodes. So they acknowledged that they brought this character in, and my assumption go forward is that all TV, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., all the stuff on Netflix, all takes place in a multiverse timeline. So all that Daredevil stuff and all that, we're going to get a Daredevil in the MCU, and it's not, unfortunately not going to be Charlie Cox's Daredevil. Now, I think that's a, a big shame, and there's still a way for them to work backwards in the Netflix stuff, but by the sounds of it and the way that Feige and company are approaching the Disney Plus stuff is that go forward, we have an MCU proper timeline, and we also have the Marvel TV division, which will operate its own cinematic universe, if you want to call it that, uh, where they not where they're not constrained by the continuity of MCU and vice versa. So very cool Easter egg there, and probably the only time my guess would be that we're gonna see a TV character make the leap over to the big screen, and that really comes down to their involvement, the writers' involvement, and the Russos' involvement in Agent Carter. Now, one of the other interesting things to talk about here was the Soul Stone. Now, this was the only stone that wasn't revealed in a standalone or a franchise film leading into Infinity War. And there was a question tossed out there as to why this was. Was it always the plan that the Soul Stone was kept mystery? If you go back to the days before Infinity War, we're speculating who was the the Soul Stone? Was it actually Tony Stark? Where was the Soul Stone going to be kept? Where are we going to see Soul World? There's a lot of questions going into this, and it turns out to be this exciting, very major reveal when we have the Red Skull and you need a human sacrifice. It kicks off and it goes into a very, very interesting way where a lot of the stones were used as MacGuffins in different films, and some of them multiple times, You know, the Tesseract being one of them. And the Russos said that it wasn't exactly their choice to keep the Soul Stone out of the other films, but they're very happy that it was because they're able to use it in, for such a fantastic purpose and surprising purpose on Vormir here in Infinity War as well as Endgame. So I'm happy, you know, we had a lot of lots of discussion on the podcast about the Soul Stone and what it meant. Uh, where was it going to show up? We were saying, you know, it was going to show up in Black Panther. It had to show up in something. No, it had to show up in Ragnarok. Um, but we didn't ever got it. And I think it's really cool that they, they kept this as a mystery leading into Avengers Endgame. We just didn't know that last piece of the puzzle. Now, one of the things here that, uh, this is one of the last ones, um, has, has Captain America always been worthy was one of the big questions that was out there. Um, this was also asked to Kevin Feige in one of his AMAs recently, and they both aligned, both the Russo brothers and Feige, on this opinion. And I'm not sure how much I love this. And the question always comes back to, you know, did Cap make a conscious decision to not lift Mjolnir during Age of Ultron? Funny enough, Age of Ultron was on the TV here. My dad was watching it. So I sat down and watched that scene, watched most of that movie. Um, I really enjoy that movie the more and more I watch it. But... Did I think that Cap was worthy there? You know, I had made this kind of headcanon idea that he wasn't worthy. He was almost worthy, but he still had that lingering um, knowledge in the back of his head that Winter Soldier, Bucky, his best friend, killed Tony Stark's parents. And that's not further revealed until Civil War. Once he comes to terms with that, once that's revealed, he then becomes worthy. But 
Anthony Joe Russo confirmed that their interpretation, now they say interpretation, is that he chose to not lift the hammer, not lift Mjolnir, because he didn't want to embarrass Thor in Age of Ultron. Now, I don't know. Having, like I said, just watched it, and you look at the end of Age of Ultron, where we have the three of them discussing lifting the hammer, and if it was on an elevator, if... So to me, I don't. I just don't find that Steve Rogers is going to be blowing up Thor's ego, especially at this point, too, too much, saying, like, don't worry, you know, I couldn't pick it up. You're the only worthy one here. I'm not sure if this is exactly how Whedon had it in his original plan, but point forward... I guess I'll treat it as canon. This is their interpretation. This is their film. And they're considering that Cap was always worthy. But, you know, guys, again, I like the idea that Cap wasn't worthy until a particular moment, that he had this this darker history. And you go back to even Age of Ultron when they're talking about, Tony Stark talks about he doesn't like a man that doesn't have a dark side to him. And Cap says, maybe you just haven't seen it yet. Like, this to me is pointing at something that was very differently as far as Whedon's perspective on on Captain America. And even you look through how the Russos and Marcus McFeely evolved this character, it points at this not being the case, that he's able to, to that he made a conscious decision to not lift the hammer. And it was only in that endgame moment where he became worthy. I think, to me, that holds much more impact, much more weight to that scene, is that that is the moment. Whether it happened just slightly before or after, I think when he comes really to terms over those five years with it all, you know, he was a secret Avenger for a long time. I just find that that, that moment carries more weight if, if he's just worthy then, that he wasn't just pretending to not be worthy. But anyways, it's kind of interesting hearing that. And they also, they called it their interpretation. So it's maybe not totally definitive, but great discussion there. And another great question that was asked is, are we going to get a director's cut? You know, hashtag release a Russo cut. And they outright said, nope, you guys got it. So what they put to screen is what was always intended to go to screen. And I, I freaking love that. Um, and one last little tidbit, and this is really coming from the Kevin Feige AMA, is there's a big question about, you know, we got the blip reveal in Far From Home where everyone just showed back up. There's a question as to, you know, what if what about the people in planes that disappeared 35,000 feet in the air? Would they have shown back up 35,000 feet and then fallen to their deaths? And Feige, he just kind of dismissed this and said, look, no one returned at 35,000 feet. Hulk's a smart guy at this point, you know, Professor Hulk. He wished for everyone to come back safe. So those people probably just showed up in the field or, or wherever their plane was, but on the ground safe and sound. So that about wraps it up this week for you guys. A short episode. You just had me talking to the mic here. But I got to say, I, I absolutely love all the content that we're getting here from Avengers Endgame. I love that I have it digitally, the physical copy of Steelbook. So big shout out to, to Sunny Steelbook there. You know, it's the, the man of Steelbook for hooking us all up there. And like I said, we're going to be getting back at you guys in a bit more of a regular format over the next couple of weeks as we work through some of this personal stuff and as we work through me being away from the boys and all that, away from the nerd room proper. And yeah, we're going to come back at you guys like we always do, talking all things Stars, Marvel, and DC. If you'd like to be a part of this show in any way, you can always email us at nerdroom at gmail.com. You can grab us on Twitter. We're always hanging out there, having a blast, talking to the Twitter gang, talking to everyone about these fandoms that we love so much and we're inevitably going to be talking about some of these bonus features and what they mean 
for the MCU go forward. You can find everything that we do over at thenerdroom.net as well as starscommonwealth.com where you can also find everything that everyone else over at the Stars Commonwealth is doing some fantastic, like I always say, some fantastic stuff coming out of there. And also, guys, you got to give us a follow on Instagram. We're having an absolute blast posting our hunt pictures on there, what we're finding out there, what we're not finding out there. Um, some little, you know, Troy does customs and all that. So make sure to go over to Instagram, follow us at the NerdRM, and and join that conversation. We're having a lot of fun with that platform now. And last but not least, we always like to give a big shout out to our man Rob Wade for endorsing this podcast over at Emotionally14.com. You can find everything that he does over there, including the Crazy Train podcast and the other endorsed podcasts, which include our good friend Rob Cast, Roman Pod and Cast, as well as the boys and gals over at Tumbling Saber. So make sure to go check all of that out. And guys, I, ca- I got to end this. I got to bring it back around and I got to just acknowledge one more time how heartbroken we are about the passing of Steve Kirk. And I want you guys to know that we are going to ensure that his memory, both within the Commonwealth, within Star Wars, and within, you know, just this this world, that his memory is going to live on. His legacy is going to live on. He is he's going to be a truly missed individual by myself personally and by everyone that surrounded him. All right, guys, and uh, for the nerd room, for this week is just me. I'd like to thank you guys very much for entering the nerd room. And I'd like to give one more shout out to to Steve Kirk. I know you're listening, dude. I know you're listening up there. Um, hope we do you proud. All right, guys. We will talk to you next week. This has been a Nerd Room Podcast production. You can find our hosts Tim, Troy, and Sanjay on Twitter at the NerdRM, Troy the Boy eighty seven, and Sanjabi. For more content from The Nerd Room, check out thenerdroom.net. And don't forget to subscribe to The Nerd Room on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, or wherever you plug in. Be sure to head over to StarWarsCommonwealth.com to find more podcasts from the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network, including Talk Star Wars, Tumbling Saber, Generation X-Wing, Road Squadron Podcast, San Diego Saber's Radio Podcast, Retro Inc., and The Sandcrawler Podcast. Follow the Star Wars Commonwealth on Twitter at SWCommonwealth and take your first steps into a larger world.